When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Behind the Racket pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now. Well, welcome into this week's Behind the Racket pod. Mike Cation, Noah Rubin, who is in the middle of an airport as we're just about to record our interview with Mary Carrillo talk about the Alex Zverev abuse allegations, how they fit into the role of tennis and media specifically. But Noah, um, you know, you've had a a couple of tough losses the last couple of weeks, but I think people are really excited to see you playing and competing well. Yeah, I think it's it's funny in a few ways where I I see comments like, oh, he could still play. And (laughs) honestly, first I take that, you know, I was like, fuck off. But then looking back at it, if you were an outsider looking at kind of how my career has been the past year, you know, let's say post COVID or during COVID, um, I would think the same thing, Yep. you know? So it's, it's kind of remarkable to see myself. I think, you know, Jamie, my wonderful girlfriend thought she would never see me back on a tennis court competing like this. And, same. You know, I think the, the last match that I played against Bolt, um, if anything, I think, proved to myself again that I'm, I'm here. I'm doing the right things. I'm really working hard towards it. And I'm still entertaining as ever as I got those compliments as I walked off the court. So it's 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 been a lot. Luckily, oh, unfortunately, there's not many tournaments left in this calendar year, but I'm excited just to be out here anyway. A couple of recent guests, or I guess guests this year, have done well this past week. Stefan Kozlov and Liam Brody both winning challenger titles yesterday holy hell <laughs> it's like a lot of uh turn back the clock you right. know tweets that we keep seeing and 
Yeah. I mean, with, with Stefan, you know, I actually had a, we had a lunch together and we'll talk about this in another pod, but we had a lunch together with Jamie Loeb, Stefan calls off an eye and middle of a very normal lunch. He's about to play a match. He's like, how do you guys deal with nerves? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, oh, we're doing this now. Okay. And, and it was just like kind of getting back to some of the old stuff that we had. And, and I think he's been through his own journey, which he's yep. gone into a little bit with us, but to see him. And then obviously you're very close. You know, I'm a big fan of Liam Brody myself. So to see him after, what was it? Eight? eight yeah. His eighth challenger final. <sighs> Pretty remarkable. I mean, you, you can shed light a little bit more on that. Yeah, I, I talked to him actually just for, we sent a couple of voice messages back and forth yesterday. And what I told him was that I think what has been unique about his journey is that he's let so many people in to his journey. Um, in And and everybody has such just a positive um, uh, view of Liam because of the fact that he's been so personable and realizing that the journey is not just about what happens on the court. It's about what happens off of it, right? The ability, like he comes and brings me a drink at the end of the night knowing how bad my day is. And I'm not alone in that. He does that for so many people throughout all of the, the travels he's had throughout the last couple of years. And so to see yesterday, it wasn't really, you know, like the tennis is fine. Uh, tennis was good. He's been playing good tennis. Everybody knows for so many years that he could play good tennis. It was just a matter of time before he got one, right? But to see yesterday how many people from all sorts of different areas, you know, not in media, uh, on court, off court, everybody just celebrating with him and wanting to just say, you did it, congrats, we're so happy for you. I think that really... Um, kind of tells the story of Liam Brody specifically that he is he is kind of a man of the people. He's had this opportunity to build relationships and build friendships throughout the world. He's taken advantage of it, and so it was it was really cool to see that outpouring of emotion for him yesterday. And I'm just very happy for him in that regard. Just a authenticity behind him, yep. I think, is kind of what it comes down to. And yep. you know, we've seen it time and time again. There's a we spend a lot of time with these guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. you spend a lot of time on court watching them, whether it's off court and just speaking to them. And a lot of these guys deserve a lot more. Let's put it yeah. that way. So the fact that they can have their moments and hopefully it's not the last, I'm sure it means the world to them. I want to thank Tiff Reimer, who has upped her Patreon pledge to, uh, I believe, what is our challenger level. Uh, I have sitting next to me a slew of Wimbledon keychains to get out to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash behind the racket pod. I'm going to wait till I see Noah in Charlottesville so he can actually do some of the work for once uh, in getting things I'm out to our Patreon supporters. Kiss you right on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to head into our conversation that we're recording with Mary Carrillo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i just i miss you and i love you and we're, we're gonna see each other in a few weeks after i go to indian wells and you don't <sighs> this is the best There's couple of minutes of podcasting we've ever done so much to unpack there yeah, there, is there really this. is there really is um oh yeah you we do have a much more serious topic to get into now, so let's get into our interview with tennis analyst, tennis legend, tennis broadcaster extraordinaire, Mary Carrillo. Bad. 
this is actually a first for us here on the podcast. And this is the first time we've had somebody join us on the pod who is not a current player. And I don't think that we could have anybody more special than Mary Carrillo joining us. And and Mary is down in Naples. And I, Mary, I, I guess I want to start. Um, how how does one become a good tennis broadcaster? <laughs> I've got notepad You're asking here. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just going to say how excited I am to have one on board <laughs> this time. <laughs> I, it's uh, no, that's that's actually an interesting question, and I don't I don't know. If, personally, I remember when I first started doing TV, I had been coached from a long from childhood from uh, from the late great Harry Hopman, uh, and he was my entire audience. I mm. just wanted Mr. Hopman to know that I knew my onions. You know, yeah, that's like I I felt like I, that was who I was trying to trying to. I wanted his respect. And so, and obviously it, it grew from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was, I wanted that. What does it take? I mean, I think a lot of it is, and you have the same thing. We, we love our jobs. We love the, we love being passionate about a sport and trying to dig deep into it and, and tell stories. I mean, I think the bet for me, it's, it's all about storytelling. Agreed. And so everything is for me is about I mean, from cave paintings to, uh, Egyptian pyramids. I mean, <laughs> storytellers have been around for a long while and there's a reason it's compelling yeah. and it's important and it's interesting and it's creative. And, and so that, that basically I think is the answer to anybody who's trying to tell a good story, especially in sports, especially Agreed. in sports. Yeah. Yeah. And for you talking about the transition from your actually professional playing career to broadcasting and commentary, because again, Mike never had the playing side of things. So I'm, uh, I'm a new to this transition period. Yeah. Um, I found it pretty easy. I mean, I was, my knees were shot. I mean, even in high, I had my first knee surgery in high school. Mm. I had three more. So I was riding on rims from an early <laughs> age. And I, so I knew I had a very, short period of time where I could actually play professional tennis. That's why I didn't go to college. I knew four years of hardcore tennis was just going to, you know, that, that would be even worse. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it and I traveled. I mean, in the few years I played at a great time, late seventies, you know, Jimmy and John and Chrissy and Martina. And then I had that whole, I mean, I had everybody since, you know, the entire Pete Sampras and Agassiz and, Celis and Groff, I mean, you just continue to, as you age out, and Mike, I'll bet you feel the same way. As you get older, you feel like you actually have to work harder. Yes. Because these are people you didn't, you didn't play against them. You know, you don't know them. You have, to, right. you have to talk to their coaches and go to their press conferences and watch what they're practicing, right? And so it becomes a whole different thing. Um, but I also learned a lot. I got to work early on with the late great Bud Collins. Mm -hmm. And that guy, he was... I mean, apart from being a terrific journalist and historian, he was playful about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can hear the smile in, in his voice when he was on TV, even when he typed, you yeah. know, you knew the guy was doing just what he wanted to do and telling a good story. And so I think that, I think that has helped me. I mean, I've been doing this for over 40 years now. Yeah. I'm elderly. Um, so so uh, in my dotage, I find that in, you have to work even harder. Yes. To know these people it's know, hard to, to relate to a younger audience i mean i'm i'm lucky that i get right. to actually spend time with noah on the road and so he's yes. allowed me to be in some of those you know hotel rooms where i can actually interact with 
people other than just him. And I, I'm very, very lucky in that regard. But it's so well, hard to relate. Well, that's why I listen to your podcast all the time. I, I like listening to I like that's how I keep up with that with that level of play mm -hmm. with those players, with those young players coming up. Um, that's how I keep up because I'm not around. I'm not around those challenges. <laughs> I'm not around, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it takes it takes some work. Right. It takes, you know, and somebody's playing. Layla Fernandez and Emma Raducanu have made their way into the last weekend of the U.S. Open. And, you know, all of a sudden before, you know, the first week is over, I'm I'm watching YouTube. I'm saying, wait, why are they winning? What do they do? What are they? What are the patterns they really enjoy creating? Up? <laughs> like you just that's what you end up doing. Right? right. Like, wait a minute. I don't I don't even know how to pronounce this dude's name. Right. You know, and neither does anybody else. I'm I'm working with. Yeah. <laughs> why don't we why don't we all decide? Side on the official English corruption of this name right now in this production meeting. Yeah. Let's just get it wrong, but we'll do it collectively. All right? Haven't you had those days? Yes, I've I, had those. I mean, every conversation I have with Mike, he changes the pronunciation of the name. He's like, that's not how you do it, Noah. Yeah. And no. that's not how you do it. I was no. like, I know these guys for 10 years. Are you sure? <laughs> Well, That's exactly right. we, we oh. did want to bring you on in, in a more serious realm because we we have been struggling with how to to talk about the the allegations against Sasha Zverev. And, you know, the reporting came out this weekend that you had resigned from your post with the Laver Cup because you didn't feel quite comfortable with it. And there's listen, there's a little bit of inside baseball in terms of who hires whom in terms of commentators and whether you're working for an ESPN tennis channel or an inside entity, a world feed type of situation. I guess mm -hmm. if you could just walk us through you know, that side and as well as your decision on why you wanted to step away from the labor club. I, I will tell you everything, guys, but I'm first, I'm very interested to know, Mike, how you how you would have handled Labor Cup if you were calling it, and Noah, how much mm. locker room talk there is about about Alexander. Wow, the podcast role has wow. turned. So, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> not quite the same as when we have tennis players on, is it? No. <laughs> I'm really curious from both of you. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this. I actually dreamed about our talk last night um, because for me, Mary, I I will be blunt. I couldn't do what you did. Um, I'm I maybe this is me and my some of my insecurities, but I feel like I'm rather dispensable if if I get let go because I make a decision to talk about these allegations. It's not a big deal. There's not going to be a big Oh my God! What happened to Mike Cation? Um, You know, I I think you have that that name and that notoriety and the I'll tell you, that. I, I, you know I know, but I I felt I felt even at the at the U.S. Open, um, you know I I didn't feel like it was my place to talk about it because I was I am a little bit lower um, level on, in terms of the broadcasting side, so I feel a little bit more timid and scared to talk about it, and that's that's really hard to come to grips with. No, I get that. I, and Noah, is it? I mean, it, it was certainly locker room talk in the women's side. <clears throat> what about with you guys? It's there. Um, you know, obviously, I think we dealt with the initial one with uh, Nicholas Basilisvili was kind mm -hmm. of the first story that was coming out at the time. And then to have Sasha Zverev and so much of that situation around the Paris Masters at that time um, between both of his ex-girlfriends um, with the custody of his first child and everything people are scared. I think people are scared to talk about it. I think having 
somebody at the top of the sport acting out in this way, in this regard, um, allegations or not, it's, it's a difficult situation. I feel like everybody shied away from it. Um, I think I feel everybody turned their back on this situation. I wanted, regardless almost of the side you're on, and that's a tough thing to say, but I wanted conversation. You know, that's how we talk about mental health. I wanted that conversation and that wasn't there. Um, it is in the smaller groups that we have, mm-hmm. you know, within myself with the friendships, it happens constantly talking about the fact that he went through all of that, regardless of what side you're on. And the fact that he played that well during the Paris masters is beyond me. I mean, these are things, you know, otherworldly to have those kind of situations going on. Um, and like I said, the conversations are not taking place enough. And, and this is why we're here right now. And the labor cup is going on and people aren't really talking about it besides a few people that got blocked on Twitter because, you know, a few remarks took place, but it's yeah. extremely disappointing and, and kind of, you know, obviously this is extremely severe, but it's happened many, many times on lower levels throughout, you know, my history in tennis. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, I'll tell you, first of all, guys, I, I was not told that I couldn't speak about Zverev at Labor Cup. That never that conversation did not happen. And the I went to the Labor Cup a couple of years ago in Geneva. Mm-hmm. I, I loved I loved the event. Mm-hmm. I was the MC for the gala. Wow. The pay, the pay wasn't good, but I wanted to because <laughs> I had heard so many good things about it. It looked amazing on TV. The, the, the pageantry of it and the staging of it, the yeah. presentation, the black cord and the lights and Oh my God. It just looked great. Um, so I took, I took the work with tennis Australia and I loved it. And obviously the Zverev stuff didn't come out till much later, but I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fun. Uh, you know, I thought the players really did care yes. about their teams, but even then, even a couple of years ago, I think tennis Australia is I think it's pretty well known that it's a blue sky network, you know, (laughs) you, you work for them and you're supposed to, you know, it's kind of a corporate deal and which I didn't understand, honestly, till I got there. This is Geneva. A couple of years ago, I made a comment that I thought it's the kind of stuff I say all the time. Um, Kyrgios was playing great and the crowd was eating the dude up and he was playing to them and he was hitting crazy ass shots and he's, he loves playing with Jack Sock and he loved the team. And I said, I said, this is a perfect outlet for him. Yeah. uh, Cause he's not fit enough to go three out of five. He can't win majors, but look at this. This And I got spoken to about that. Mm. You know, I thought it was pretty innocuous and I thought it was obvious. And by the way, if you said to Nick Kyrgios, are you fit enough to win a major? <laughs> I don't think he'd argue. Like, right. no. He kind of almost takes this crazy pride in the fact that he's he doesn't work hard. At, like, you know what I mean? Yes. So I kind of had the, I, I, I got the sense back then that this was a very, you know, and I've had, believe me, I've had my issues at, at ESPN, at Tennis Channel many times. Uh, you know, can't we just commit a little journalism, you know, just for the hell of it? <laughs> um, uh, and I lost almost every battle. But what happened with the Labor Cup specifically was um, I was getting a lot of emails. There were group emails and WhatsApp, you know, chat and all that. This was last week, early last week. And I was getting a lot of them from one specific person, the executive producer. <clears throat> producer. And finally, I wrote back to her. I said, hey, what is, how are we handling the Alexander Zverev allegations? Yeah. Because obviously, one of the, the gravest of the allegations happened at Labor Cup in Geneva. And this woman who had been writing me back a lot, and she even apologized you know, to our group. Sorry for all these emails, but, you know, they'll calm down in a couple of days. Yeah. You know? 
It's all about quarantining and this and that and credential. Where do you pick up your credential? What shoe size are you? <laughs> Who's coming to the gala? Like I just kept coming. And all of a sudden I write that and nothing. Mm. Everything, everything goes dark. Like a day goes by. Two days. Finally, she she sets me up. And this was an off the record conversation. So I won't tell you who it was with. But I, the essence of this conversation, she put me in charge. She put me in touch with uh, one of the big labor cup guys, one of the muckety mucks. And I had a long conversation with him about mm -hmm. my hesitance like wait a minute is you know apart from the fact that i wasn't sure how hamstrung i would be by tennis australia um i also know that in every single match i've called that involved alexander zverev from his french open run to his olympics gold to his u.s open the semi i mean i talked about it in every single match yeah um and more often than not Whoever was sitting next to me didn't pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was a, a low, I mean, I was twisting in the wind with this stuff. And um, I'm kind of used to that. And I'm okay with that in large measure. But I didn't want it to happen at a three-day exhibition right. where Zverev is being hailed as the, you know, the biggest star there, the highest ranking guy there. So anyway, I had this conversation, which was long, and he let me air out. And I told him, like, wait a minute, so, so one of your guys, you know, uh, uh, Zverev called one of you guys, a Labor Cup guy. Like, didn't he call a doctor? Yeah. He had intervened on a suicide attempt. Didn't like, I had all those obvious questions. I'm right. like, what? well, I wasn't there. He said that a couple of times. And that's when I knew, <laughs> oh, this isn't going to happen too well for me. And, yeah. And, and, you know, well, we follow the ATP protocols. And I'm there like, what protocols? Right. And if you truly follow the... The letter of the ATP law as it exists, this happened during a tournament. It happened in a hotel on site. So that's part of your, well, right. we go by the ATP rankings. Well, what's Nick Kyrgios rank? Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it just got to, uh, and he was very, and he was very nice. And in fact, he, he told me how much he respected me and he told, and he remembered how much I loved the one in Geneva. Yeah. And at that point I realized, you know what? I, it's better that I, I just I just back out. And I hadn't signed my contract yet, so that probably made it a little bit easier all around. But I just thought, what am I, you know, this... And I, by the way, maybe it was discussed. I didn't watch any of the Labor Cup. Uh, so I don't know how much they went into it and, and who handled it or who didn't. But And then he called me back. He was, again, this is a very nice man. I remember meeting him in Geneva. And he called me back like five minutes later and said, hey, give it a day before you decide. Mm. He genuinely like wanted me to come. Yeah, which I thought was classy of him because I had already told him, and he probably knew of how how critical I've been of of Labor Cup, of the ATP, of the fact that like I've been you know of uh, Zverev. I mean, whether you you know, I believe Olya. You know? I do too. I mean. I, I believe her. Uh, why would she? Why would she say all this stuff? And you know, also, the the article by Ben is really well researched. Bell, ben did a hell of a job. It all got fact checked. Yes. Uh, you know, and he put himself out there. And I kind of felt for a long while. I kind of felt like that's why I gave Ben that quote. Um, and I wasn't going to. You know, he had known that I had pulled out of it earlier in the week. But and I, then I was just I was going to. I don't want to make a big deal. Is who cares what I, if I'm there or not? But. I, I gave him that quote and I said, all right, now there's two of us. And it doesn't, look, it, it went on and it was, you know, hopefully it was a success, but I just feel like 
what we say or don't say um, shapes opinion. I mean, that's what, and especially, I don't know, Mike, if you feel this way as well, but I know for me, like when I first got into this gig, there are a lot of Americans to talk about. Yeah. And it was easy to talk about them and you knew them and you knew, you know, they come from a tennis family. <laughs> but now like all these players are from all over the, the planet. Right. And so you have to try to tell people who they are. Right. And, and what they believe in and what they, you know, <clears throat> and so that sort of um, has made it calling tennis much more interesting in recent years too. You really gotta, you gotta get in there, you know? So anyway, I'm sure they did fine without me. Uh, I'm sure the event was well received. Uh, and again, I, I mean, the biggest single reason I pulled away is because I knew that whatever vibe they were trying to create, I was gonna, I was gonna trot on that. I was gonna, <laughs> I, and I don't know. Like, let me ask you this: uh, if, if you, Noah, or Mike, if if you were calling Asasha's Verov match. At what point in the match do you even have that conversation? Right. Do you do it as you're warming up? I, like, like, do you do it? Uh, do you make the studio a studio segment out of it? Do you do it a couple of games? When do you, when do you explain? And and for the most part, I mean, most people in our business don't explain it at all. Right. But I, again, what you don't say is as important as what you say, don't you think? For me, I know that I I was going to say I it's a studio segment for me because then you can actually spend time. You know, you're not interrupted by an incredible running forehand down the line Correct. break point down. You you put a five minute segment together at the beginning, or maybe you show it at the set break, yep. something along those lines, and then that gives good ample time and an actual thoughtful discussion, and then you can move on from there. I think, so how would you answer that? Yeah, I think being in this world for very limited time compared to you two, um, I think you have to play devil's advocate all the time. So the understanding that you're doing this during this match, do you really want the negative feedback that you're trying to take away from the event? Do you want any negative right. feedback at all to take away from the message that you're trying to convey? And that's kind of my issue when I look at that is you have to play the other side and be like, what is the safest environment to kind of share this knowledge and share my passion behind this, where people are just like, well, I want to watch tennis. Well, no, <laughs> there's more to this right now. There's a lot more going into it. And and you bring up the the idea of who cares about Mary Carroll and not doing it. And I think goes into a deeper topic of where do the responsibilities lie? You know, with Federer, you know, where do the responsibilities Absolutely. lie with these the people, other players? These yeah. people have daughters. That's the yes. part. I, again, I, <laughs> this is, a, 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 that's, that was my struggle all last week. These people have kids. These people have little girls. Like, wait, how do you not? throw that in, you know, how do you not weigh that uh, in, in your decision-making? And this is, again, it's a, it's different from, you know, it's, they could have invited anybody to play on this, in this thing, you know, these are hand-picked people. That's the disappointing um, part to me, to be honest with you, Mary, is that I, and I, I found myself when we were having some discussions amongst commentators at the open, as we mm -hmm. were talking about how we wanted to, to approach it, I found myself, you, you asked me earlier how I was handling it. I, I, I felt like I said, I couldn't discuss the allegations, but what I wasn't going to do is celebrate him. I was going to honor the tennis that I saw that was in and front of me. Great tennis. And he's You're playing right. great tennis, but I wasn't going to celebrate and make a big deal of 
look at him. What a great man, great sportsman, because that that felt artificial to me. And that's why the him being at the Laver Cup, again, where some of these things happened, it it hurt. It just really was a struggle for me. Well, I'll tell you this, Mike. Um, uh, at the Olympics, I was I was in Tokyo. The rest of the Olympic team, uh, we had uh, Trenny Kuznerik was doing the courtside interview, so mm-hmm. she was in Tokyo with me. Everybody else was at the Telemundo Studio Miami. Yeah. So it's Brad Gilbert and Chanda and Darren Cahill and Renee Stutt. Like they were all over there. Um, and now, he's Federer. I, I call that match. Now he's playing the gold medal match. So the night before the gold medal match, I wrote a long, detailed email about how I and I had already read Ben's second article that came out in Slate. He had already allowed me to read it. Yeah, I had asked him if I could read it um, during the Olympics because I knew Zverev was playing great. And I knew I was going to have to discuss this guy, you know. So anyway, I wrote to I wrote this email to the producers and all the fellow announcers, and and I said, look, we can't god him up. Right. <laughs> we had some. We have to discuss. Yeah, he's playing well in spite of all this. And here's what I know from the upcoming slate, and here's what I know from the first one. And I believe Olya, and I believe Ben's reporting, and we have to do a studio segment before the gold medal match. So. Darren and I don't have to be talking about it during the gold medal. Right. Because not only is that not fair to Zerber, it's not fair to the guy who's playing. Right. It's right. not fair to Hodgenel. But wait a minute. We're, we're discussing a very complicated issue. So they kicked it up to a muckety muck at NBC who yeah. agreed with me and said, yes, we will do a studio segment. Next day comes around. And it's a couple of minutes before they're walking down the court. And there's a studio segment going on. It has nothing to do with these alligators. Nothing. Yeah. It's all about X's and O's and it's, you know, Brad and uh, the host and Jaron is up at the, and, he, and I'm thinking they're walking on the, like, yeah. what happened to this thing yeah. that was supposed to happen that everyone seemed to have agreed to didn't happen. So I was, I was furious and I, I'm text like, what the hell happened to the, cause now I knew that I'm going to have to mop up, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so then I, one of the producers wrote back and said, we'll do a, a studio segment after the first set. So after the first set, this really toothless studio segment happens. Yeah. And I'm there like, wait, is that it? Is that, like, was that, was that it? Yeah. <laughs> and God bless Darren Cahill because I jumped right in the middle, in the beginning of the second set. I had to say something. Yeah. That was just, that wasn't even close right. to what had to be said in my opinion. And Brad jumped in and he agreed he, and he said, the ATP has a, you know, and we both like excoriated the ATP for, you know, anyway. And then the match went on yeah. and then the rest of the match was like, Jesus, this guy's playing like, this is clearly his safe haven. Cause yes. he's never played better tennis than right. he's playing great tennis. And the, rest of the match, I, I didn't have to mention it again, but that kind of stuff happens all the time, at least to me. And I lose work over it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I wanted to ask you about that because I, like I said, for for me, it it makes me nervous about the idea of losing work. And if I lose work, you know, I'm going to be, I, I I don't, I have another 25 years to to <laughs> of employment before I can retire, right? So I I've got to I'll be working at Best Buy down the street here, um, before too long. And and I guess. How do you reconcile your need for integrity right now? And I respect it immensely um, and, and the honesty and the journalism. How do you deal with that? Um, and, and how are you able to 
overcome just that job security issue? Uh, I look, I've been at it, you know, I'm, I, I turned 65 next March. Mm. I mean, I'm elderly, you know, so <laughs> in my dotage, I think I've been able to, <laughs> I mean, I've made some money. I've saved some money. I've made some, I mean, I'm not at the same stage as, as a lot of people and a lot of people, frankly, they like, it's not just, they like the lifestyle that tennis television provides. They like being on the road. They like, you know, I've got a granddaughter now. I like being home. Yeah. I like playing with this little kid, you know? I, so I'm at a different stage, but honestly, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a casual example. I mean, this has been going on for years. Right. Den, uh, tennis Sandgren had that great run at the Australian Open years ago, right? Yep. So I'm working for Tennis Channel and, I've, and now he's in the quarters and I'm doing that match. Yeah. And so I said to my producer, and we're not live, ESPN's live. So we've got eight hours of coverage on tape. So I said, look, we have to handle, you know, it was what tennis, all of, all of a sudden tennis Sangren, people were trying to figure out who he is. So we all go on social media and we all read his Twitter and we all see the stuff he tweets and retweets and, oh, so this guy has very strong political opinions. Yeah. Uh, and it was causing a lot of blowback to him. And I said, well, let me do, let me do this. Let's build a couple of panels of the stuff that he has said, the stuff he's reached, why he why this has become such a firestorm. And at the beginning of the third game, you know, we'll come back early. We won't take that commercial, whatever. And I'll and I'll discuss why this thing has happened. And my producer agreed. And then the next day, uh, he was uh, his name is Ross Schneiderman, Ross and John Wertheim, who's a journalist. Yeah. I arrived breakfast up at the top floor of the hotel we were staying at in Melbourne. And I said, all right, so look, I've picked out the panels I think we should build. And my producer says, we're not doing that. Mm. I said, why not? What do you mean? I said, how are we doing? He said, no, we're just not doing it. Just verbal it. I hate that. Because <laughs> if you have production values, right. you're trying to make a point, yes. you know, if you have, produ like, it means that you're just not out there, you know. On an I island by yourself. Uh, and yeah, and it usually means that there's going to be some participation from the guy yes. or the woman sitting next to you, right? So now we're just not going to do it. And I, and I I'm, I'm furious. We got to. I don't. I, I I said he said, well, what if Federer was playing that night? Well, what if the Federer match goes five hours? I'm there. I'm asking for a, a minute, two minutes. Yes. Like, <laughs> right. I think I think we're okay, you know. So anyway, he didn't agree with me. So I said, well take me off that match, put me on something mm, else. Yeah. And he didn't, he said, no, I'm not putting you on. There's no, this is. And so I said, well, then I'm not working today. You know, don't pay me. I'm not. And that's what happened. And I didn't work. I didn't work the match. Cause I, I didn't want to call that match in the way that they wanted me to call it. So I worked the next day. Yeah. And I said to look, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll do, I'll, I'll sweep up the production office. If yeah. you want. <laughs> but don't, don't make me, compromise what needs to be said journalistically. So anyway, this has been going, I've had, I can name dozens of instances like that. And yeah. so we, what it comes down to, I think yeah, uh, in the end is, you know, what, what do you say no to? I judge people by what they, by, by what they say no to. Um, and so yeah, and then you pay the price. Yeah, yeah. I've been in every penalty box. I'll do my time. And then I'm, I feel better about myself coming out of the penalty box than if I never went in. We always try to correlate it back to some deeper issues in tennis here. And I always, you know, it's like the white picket fence that tennis tries to be pristine. And we always, you know, we're a star studded sport, you know, obviously we did have Bachelos Vili. It wasn't nearly at the top of the sport as Verev was, but how would we have handled the situation if he was 80 in the world? Would we have cared? You know, would yeah. we have, 
you know, maybe just throwing him to the side again and say, hey, you know, we can take him down because he's 80, but he's the next coming, let's say, in of tennis greats. We have to leave him up there. Is that, you know, do we see that every time, you know, we. I wish we didn't. I mean, and look, it's other sports have gotten much. They've gotten much more harsh about, yes. you know, domestic violence. There are, there are genuine rules and you get suspended for a certain number of games or, you, throw, or, you know, you don't get, you don't even get put on the team. I mean, we could do a much better job. Yeah. I mean, much better. And it shouldn't matter. It's even more important. I think if someone famous uh, goes unpunished, it's even more important because you're basically saying, Oh, well, that's, you know, he's four in the world. So yeah. you know, what are you going to do? And that's, <laughs> um, Anyway, it's it. Everyone's got their own. As I said, everyone like everyone like. How far are you going to bend your spine before like it snaps back? Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe your spine breaks and you just end up doing like John Wertheim after that when he found, I he was there when I said, well then I'm don't I won't work today. Mm-hmm. And and Wertheim said to me like, is that really uh, you're going to die on that hill like tennis Sandgren? Like I, John wouldn't have, you know, maybe he, and that's fine. Everyone's got their own right. sense of, of the moment and, and of what, you know, what do you say no to? And that's, that's just something I said no to. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. Cause I'm, I will be blunt with you. I'm struggling with that. It has been, you know, I was lucky enough to call Zverev Djokovic, the, the semifinal at the, at the open. And that was for me, you know, on my personal, you know, mm-hmm to-do list to be able to call a semifinal like that and I just I sat there beforehand and I'm just I couldn't I couldn't come to grips with it and it still it still hurts and so I know how excited you were about that yeah about that. it was yeah. a big deal but again like uh, again my, my my what I just keep going back to the fact that they're the fans the viewer they're getting in their information from us right you know that's like you know if if people are screaming, thousands of fans are screaming for uh, an athlete or anybody that you know has done wrong, like that, I don't know, man, that really pulls me up. Like, wow, that's, you know, don't they know? Should they know? Right. How much should you know? Like, uh, then you go into all that. Right, Wait, right. What, and who, am, who the hell am I to, you know? So anyway, I just want to, I want to make it clear that it's not like Labor Cup said you can't talk about it. Right. It, that wasn't the conversation at all. That right. was strictly strictly my decision i don't think they're going to be asking me back to london next year <laughs> which is too bad nice city yeah <laughs> <laughs> <And it's> a, <laughs> i've had some laughs there <laughs> but that's just kind of you know that's just how it goes yeah where do we go from here in terms of who in terms of what yeah, I mean, the, it seems like a lot of damage has been done, and it seems like the people that have taken their stance have taken their stance, and and things aren't, you know, are going the way they're supposed to be going in terms of, you know, if you're going in one direction, you're going there. It doesn't seem like it's anybody's making any U-turns anytime soon. So, what are the next steps? Yeah, well, that's that's my problem. Like, yeah. wow, I don't I don't want to be a part of the silence. <laughs> you know, I mean that that. If you're quiet, it it suggests you're complicit. You're like you're you're going along with something, and and I just don't think that should keep going on. I think I think um, that there wasn't a real investigation in Geneva. It was like crazy to me. Wait, yeah. You didn't you didn't want to make sure she was okay. You didn't want to call a doctor up there. I mean, this was serious stuff. She injected herself with insulin. I mean. Clearly, for uh, apart from everything else, she clearly was in a mental state that right. should have been 
addressed. You know, and as I said, what people, whatever they think about Ben Rothenberg as a writer, as a journalist, I think he's very good. He's I like him. Um, I believe Olya. I believe Olya. I think that's a a perfect way to to end it here because I think. In, in Noah and I, the way we've talked about it, you know, personally, I think both of us are on that that same that same side. And yet we we have clearly struggled to figure out how we can best approach it and talk about it and deal with it. And that's why we wanted to bring you on, because you are somebody <laughs> who I think both of us admire um, for your conviction and your journalistic tendencies. And it's something, quite frankly, I aspire to and hope to get to um, myself personally at some point. Guys, as I said, I really like your pod. So uh, I'm, I was very happy to say yes to you too. Well, Mary, th- thank you so much. And I, I do hope that uh, maybe we run into each other sometime sooner than New York next year. I don't, I don't know <laughs> the, the when. The sniper but... section of the U.S. Open, Ash Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. You know, no, you know, it... we could blow the suds off a couple. And, I, you know. Oh, I would really like to do that. <laughs> All too much. Mary, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Yes. No, thank guys. you. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.